Good morning to you. I'd like to thank Pastor and this congregation for giving me the opportunity once more to share the word with you. In the Psalms, there are many voices from various times and places, from Joshua to Ezra, from Jerusalem to Babylon. The book of Psalms is divided into five categories. There are lament Psalms, which is the most abundant type, thanksgiving, which gives thanks to God for what he has done for us, enthronement, which was used to celebrate the kingship of God, the royal psalm, which deals with human kings, and the wisdom psalm, which reflects the teachings of the sages of Israel. Faith is always looking upward. The author of the book of Hebrew defines faith as a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is seeing beyond the visible to the invisible. Faith is the upward vision of the believing soul, looking beyond those events and presides over them. Faith sees that the higher force has an eternal purpose in all things. An all-wise plan for all that occurs, the eyes of faith glances away from self and away from this world, focusing on a higher force who reigns above. Psalm 123 captures the essence of this vision of faith. As the psalmist journey to Jerusalem, he's peering far beyond the holy city to the sovereign Lord, who is enthroned in the heavenly city. He is gazing beyond the earthly temple in Jerusalem, as important as it is to the eternal throne above. He has fixed his eyes, the eyes of his heart on God, because he knows that God has been, is, and will always be his vindicator. This should always be the upward vision of worshipers even today, as we gather together, whether in the church or in our quiet moments. With the gaze of faith, the psalmist confesses, I lift my eyes to you, O Lord. It is God alone that he looks, riveting the eyes of his heart upon God. Regardless of his distressing and distracting circumstances, he will look exclusively to God. Regardless of his threatening challenges and many disappointments, he will trust in God. Not anything else or anyone else. His eyes will be fixed trusting in the Lord. He will place his faith in God to supply his needs, save his life, to meet him at his point of need, whether that need is to find a place to sleep at night, to provide a meal from one day to the next, or to provide warm clothing when the nights are cold and lonely. Two examples of looking to God in faith are given. First, faith is the eyes of employees that look to the hand of their boss. An employee looks to his boss for food, shelter, clothing, and protection. He looks to his master for everything. Second, faith is like the eyes of the employee that looks to the hand of her lady. A poor female employee expects her mistress to meet her needs. In the same way, the eyes of all who trust in God must look to him continually, relying on him with steadfastness, endurance, and perseverance until God supplies all your needs according to his riches in glory. The psalmist found himself in a difficult position, desperately needing divine mercy. Regardless of which era we are living in, we need God's grace and mercy. 
He goes on, for we have endured much contempt, he declared. He was the object of fierce hatred, fiery persecution, and false slander. We can all relate to this at some time or another. People have long endured much ridicule in the form of verbal taunts and venomous slanders from the crowd, who do not really take the time to know you. People have suffered contempt as well as from the arrogant. Can anyone relate to this? In spite of, the suffering, upon, in spite of suffering upon opposition, the psalmist keep his eyes on God. He chose to look away from his criticizers, away from his circumstances, and focus steadfastly on God. Here is from the encouragement that we all need in this psalm. In this psalm, it's a needed motivation to look beyond one's present circumstances to a mother, father, God. Everyone needs to be looking beyond an overbearing boss, an unfaithful friend, an unfaithful spouse, beyond an unexpected expense, beyond an expected expense, beyond a rebellious child, beyond a messed up economy where one cannot find a decent job, a hot meal, a place to sleep at night, and trust a faithful God to supply all of their needs. The eyes of faith should always be looking upward for life, for direction, protection, and provision, and inward for insight and for a new vision. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. Here, Jesus is challenging us to look beyond our present situation and look at life through different lenses. It all starts within. When Moses was returning to confront Pharaoh, he became discouraged when he reflected on the circumstances and challenges that lay ahead. God said, Moses, what do you have in your hand? A rod, Moses replied. God told him to throw the rod on the, on the ground. Moses did, and it became a serpent. Obviously, Moses was afraid. God said, pick it up by its tail. Moses did just that, and it became a rod again. This seemingly insignificant rod became one of the most powerful weapons that Moses used to lead the children of Israel through their 40-year journey. A simple little rod was his gift that he used to accomplish many battles. There is an old saying that God did not make any nobody. We are all creatures empowered to do good in this world if we choose to do so. When I was studying for my undergraduate degree, one of my professors told us that we should never call anyone a nobody because a body is a corpse. So we should never refer to anyone as nobody. We are all somebody, and we are precious in the eyes of God regardless of race, creed, or socioeconomic status. And because we are precious in his eyes, Mother, Father, God has empowered us with a gift or talent or skill. Whatever you and I choose to call it, we all have one or several of these talents. Have you considered your gift? The question may be asked, what is a gift? Well, a gift may be defined as something that you give to someone on a particular occasion or because you just like that person. But a spiritual gift is a gift that God has instilled within you and me to be used to improve the life of many and make the world a better place. 
The parable of Matthew 25, 14, 30 is difficult to accept outside of its context. It is about two employees who use their boss's money to make him wealthier, and one who does not. Jesus said these employees would have been seen as greedy. In Jesus' day, these employees would have been seen as greedy and dishonest. However, the parable is about how to behave in the period that we are living, not to be lazy or to be a useless person. In this parable, the boss, while he was gone, needed to be sure that his property was well cared for. So he called his employees and trusted his possessions to them before leaving. One unique element in this parable is the different property entrusted to each employee. Five talents to one, two talents to the second, and one to the third, each according to his ability. The Lord knows us and he knows the full potential of each person for serving him and humanity. He designed that potential gift in each of us when he created us. No one is entrusted with more than he can handle, but neither is he entrusted with less than he or she can handle. The person entrusted with little will be required to do as he can with the little as he has been given. All of us are to live up to our full potential by God's strength with his wisdom for his kingdom here on earth. This churchship is comprehensive, my friends. It includes time, talent, spiritual gifts, energy, personality, experiences, attitudes, and material resources. So the question may be asked, are you using your gift? your talent to improve your circumstances, to improve the life of others, or to make the world a better place? As I was preparing this sermon, I got to thinking, what are my gifts? For starters, I do believe that I'm an encourager. I'm a positive thinker, and I empower others to do the best that they can be. I have the gift of ministering to the sick, the marginalized, and those who are confined to nursing facilities. I enjoy interacting with them and I give them some sense of hope and encouragement as they face life challenges and prepare to make their transitions. Third, I consider myself a good mother, a role model. I raised my son as a single mother and did not encounter problems that most parents encounter during their children's teenage adolescence. My son Alex, who is now 30 years old, graduated from Temple University, resides in Washington. He travels around the world lecturing to college students against the dangers of drugs and unprotected sex. I enjoy teaching the Bible. This helps others to have a deeper understanding of the word. I have been a fashion consultant for most of my adult life and I've held several fashion shows, had shows, tea parties, etc. Another of my gifts is gardening. I'm, in my community, I'm known as the garden lady. <laughs> when I moved into my neighborhood, no one planted flowers. I started this, and by now, the entire community is mobilized to planting and beautifying their community. But more importantly, I enjoy working here at Jan Hus on a weekly basis. It is an environment that gives me an opportunity to help other hundreds of people, whether I'm helping at the front desk or welcoming our guests, or working in the, the uh, clothes drive. <clears throat> I'm sorry. It gives me a sense of satisfaction and joy as I help to improve the lives of so many. 
And this is just a short list of my talents. And sometimes when we think of our gifts, we may be thinking of something monumental, not at all. You may have the gift of cheering someone up. It may be a gift to tutor a child. It may be to read to an elder. It may be to tell someone where they can get some help in times of need. It may be just to say a prayer to someone. It could be to cook a meal for someone. These are all gifts that God has given to us and to others, even greater gifts, according to our ability. How about you? What are your talents? Are you using those gifts in some small way? These two employees in the parable did not miss a single opportunity to bring their master a return on their investment. They put their money to work, meaning they invested for a profit. Sounds like capitalism to me. Each doubled the amount entrusted to him during his boss's absence. They undoubtedly worked hard for the master. Investing resources, money, etc., has always been a risky business. Even, if, even the wealthiest employee, investor, risks losing increases if something happens at the wrong time. For example, war, famine, or the stock market, which is always a risky business these days. Implied in the two faithful servants' accounts, here was a certain amount of risk. It was an obedient risk. They were expected to do what was prudent and what would normally turn a profit based on their wisdom drawn from life experience. We are all required to obey God in all things, even when risk is involved, even when we do not see the end results. This is not the same as foolish extravagance or taking risks to test the Lord. It does not mean taking chances without thinking ahead, like gambling your rent, mortgage, or food money. Common sense has to prevail, but it implies a life lived on the edge of faith. Such a consistently obedient, faithful life pleases the Lord and accomplishes his kingdom here on earth. In contrast, the third employee who had received one talent played it safe by burying his talent and waiting for his boss's return. His life failed to realize an impact or gain for his master. He demonstrated an appalling lack of understanding of his boss. He did not realize that God wanted him to use his talent for the betterment of society, or maybe he felt that his gift was not as important as others. My friends, are you one of the, of the same opinion as this last employee that your gift is not significant? Have you used your gift recently or have you buried your gift as a third employee? It is my firm conviction that God has sent every man and woman into the world to do something unique. And if he or she does not do it, it may very well not get done. The call to this, to this unique thing does not go to the crowd or to an individual. I do believe that God has sent everyone into the world to do something unique and something distinctive. And if he or she does not do it, it wouldn't be done. A typical example is the ministry that Jan Hus provides on an ongoing basis. It is difficult for anyone to wrap their thoughts around the services that is provided here. In contrast to my home church and various churches around the New York area, we do not hold a candle. I feel particularly blessed to work under the dynamic past, uh, leadership of Pastor Ray. 
What resonates in me is the fact that for the hundreds of people who pass through here on a weekly basis, just a fraction of them has ever met Pastor Ray or Frank, who are the driving force behind the activities in this dynamic church. This is a shining example to me and the community as, as how we are called to share our gifts and to improve the lives of others. As I continue to observe the services that are offered here, I hope to have a ministry of the same nature. Matthew informs us that the two employees who did well were commended by the boss. On the other hand, the third employee who did not use his talent was not well received by his boss. He was wroth with him because he did not contribute to the betterment of society, so the boss took his gift away and gave it to the employee who had five talents. This is an indication that when we do well, we will be rewarded. The first two employees were motivated by the hope of pleasing the boss, and the third by a fear of displeasing him. This man wasted his investment and failed to advance the kingdom. What a shame. My friends, our God is a God of high standards, demanding much from us. But he never demands more than we can produce because we are empowered by his love, wisdom, and power. And when we use our gifts in obedience, our needs, not our wants, will be met, and even more. This parable serves to motivate us towards obedience in preparation for the future. More specifically, the scripture provides a clearer explanation as to how we ought to use our gifts as we await the boss's return. We are all we are all to fill our lives with the cares and the needs of others, especially the needs of believers, realizing that every unbeliever is a potential brother or sister of the Master, Jesus Christ. And for some of you who do not know what your gifts are, I would suggest that you pray and you ask God to reveal this to you. And when he does, please use that gift to make the world a better place. May God richly bless you and me as we continue to use our gifts for the improvement of our society. Amen. Amen. Amen.